And you're listening to Dream Infringement. Dream Infringement is a super squad of three enemies who were stranded on this godforsaken planet called Earth, where we had to fight for our survival. That 2020 toilet paper shortage, really traumatizing for us all. And out of our struggle came a creation that you have come to know and love called Dream Infringement, the radio show. So, <laughs> not to be confused with Dream Infringement, the television show. <laughs> which is, which, hey, just hang tight. Hang tight, fans. You know, we have exciting things coming down the pipeline. This is not not accurate. We'll never be on TV. <laughs> Let's just say that... Willfully. Let's just say that we have faces that are made for the radio. And in person. And in person. We're definitely easy to to easy on the eyes, but not easy on the silver screen. Not something that, that Or the flat screen. Or the flat screen. Speaking of the silver screen, this is the third installment of Dream Infringement talks about a cult classic that uh, each of us have chosen and want to just kind of dissect and share with you and reflect on. That's right. Uh, for several weeks, a couple weeks, Jennifer and I, we both picked a movie and then we discussed it and kind of gave a little synopsis. If you missed those episodes, I covered the 1987 movie starring John Cryer called Hiding Out, and Emily covered the 1985 classic Return to Oz starring Feruza Balk. And then we took a little break from that, um, and now and it's finally Bobby's turn. It's finally my turn. They pinned me down, they made me choose a movie, and I realized that I was secretly excited about all of this. Uh, so the movie that I chose, I did a little foreshadowing earlier in the show when I introduced how we, you know, how we came up with our show. Uh, so if you didn't catch that, I'm telling you now. But the movie that I chose is 1984's sci-fi action movie starring Dennis Quaid and Lewis Gossett Jr., and that movie is Enemy Mine. It's about a human and an alien that are enemies because their planets are at war and they get stranded on this really terrible planet that should never be inhabited. But guess what? It's inhabited by these two. And they realize that they're not so different after all. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Okay, to set the mood, here is a clip of the original theatrical movie trailer. Marooned on a desolate planet, he is a soldier alone with his enemy. Also, don't you understand English, toad face? I don't love you and you don't love me. We're stranded here, you understand? His suspicion will change to tolerance. <laughs> You saved my life. Why? I need to look at another face, even as ugly as yours. Tolerance will lead to friendship. And with that friendship will come an overwhelming responsibility, protecting a life he values more than his own. Dennis Quaid, Louis Gossett Jr., Wolfgang Peterson's Enemy Mine. So, we're going to just dive right in. Let's. Are we ready, Emily? I think so. Okay. So, we start out with opening credits. <gasps> There's some planets, some like sci-fi late 80s special effects, and then vroom, you see the words enemy mine. Okay, it's a really long intro, which is... You know, it's a, that's a characteristic of movies from the 80s. They love their, their long intros. It was an incredibly long and boring intro. I can say of the $40 million that this film costed, 
very little of that budget went to this intro. And then you hear a Dennis uh, Quaid voiceover. He talks about how all of humanity is at peace. Guess what? We finally made peace. <laughs> wow. We love each other. We do. We really do. The end of the movie may argue against that. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know about that. But, you know, as as any, you know, future man, you know, like Dennis Quaid might say, might make a blanket statement, um, it, you know, might do. All of humanity is, is at peace. So just believe it, okay? But there's drama, okay? There's still drama in the galaxy. There's these uh, aliens called the Drax. And they're claiming, according to Dennis Quaid, they're claiming squatters' rights in the galaxy. Um, and he says, and I quote, they're not going to get it without a fight. So although humanity has ent- like entered a peaceful state, they're very much the opposite when it comes to other beings in outer space. Of course, they've shifted their hatred <laughs> focus onto something else. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he notes that the Drax are trying to claim the richest star systems. And so I was like, oh, of course. This is so plausible. It's based on greed. We're like, no, they have a resource and we want it. So we're just going to fight to the death for that. So uh, we, we, we take a look at Dennis Quaid, the character that he's playing, which I'll introduce his name later. Um, because it's actually really wonderful the way that his name is is revealed. But he's this very energetic, hotshot space pilot. Um, and he's just like doing all these crazy maneuvers and involving his fellow pilots in them because he's trying to take down these like Drac, you know, spaceships that are shooting lasers at him, you know, that whole thing. It always used to bother me when films like cut away from the action scenes so you never really see an action completed it's just kind of implied but watching this movie where they don't cut away and you see spaceships doing like loop-de-loops it does look kind of silly and I completely had to rethink my stand on the cutaway based on this movie and one of his guys gets killed by a drac uh, one of his spaceships, the spaceships gets like blown up. And he has many, many really terrible names that he calls these Drax. They're like... Dennis Quaid's character. Dennis Quaid, yeah. he's He calls them like Toadface, Reptile, uh, Reptile Thing. I don't know. I don't know. He's got all these different names. So that's something that is kind of off-putting <laughs> through the movie. Yeah, along with um, some you know, expletives. Yeah, there's lots to also yeah. go along with those names. So he, he really doesn't like the Drax. Yeah, let's we, just put it we get it. By this it. point in the movie we understand that they are hated They're by Dennis hated. Quaid. He has enough specifically. Yeah, enough hate for the Drax for the whole all of humanity. <laughs> he does. So he chases the Drac into this planet's atmosphere and in doing that he accidentally I, I wouldn't blame the Drac. I would blame him chasing this Drac into the Earth's at this planet's atmosphere. But it simultaneously kills his co-pilot, Joey. Uh, and then it crash lands on a very rocky planet. And the spaceship explodes as he runs away. Uh, his, his co-pilot and friend, Joey, who he was kind of razzing about, um, when before they started chasing this Drac when they were on outer space, because Joey apparently like had a date with this female, uh, this lady, and he was like really excited about it, and Dennis Quaid was like kind of body shaming her. Yeah, he called her names too. He was calling her names, and he was like, and Joey, his co-pilot and friend, apparently. He didn't like it. You can kind of tell he didn't like it. So as he lays there on the ground, um, we get to hear Joey's final words. Yeah, he's dying. He's dying. And Dennis Quaid, of course, is very broken up about this. So so let's hear that clip. Joey! You okay, Will? Yeah. I'm fine. Will, let me see Murchison. Just don't call her the white balloon anymore. It hurts her feelings. Okay, Joey. Don't let the guys call her that. I 
So Joey is dead. So as I was watching this, I'm like, okay, this is the year 2092. And this kid's last words as he slips this mortal coil is to ask that they not body shame his girlfriend. They have world peace, but they're still body shaming. The future is terrible. And I just have to make a a point to say that uh, there are these moments of like, beauty and just like authenticity in this movie uh when joey is dying and he's like making his final request there's like this tear that's like coming out of the corner of his eye and it's and it's just like really sweet and it's so sad and i first saw this movie when i was like 11 years old and i was i was moved then i moved now joey's bit was very moving i he should won should have won a an Oscar. Something. He should have won something. They should make a new Oscar category that's like character with the most impact who has under three minutes of scream time in the entire film. He would have won it. So uh, so Dennis he buries uh, Joey and then he spots the crashed ship. To me it looks like the crash is like maybe fifty miles away over very rough terrain. It's like, it's incredibly far off in the distance. He never actually saw the Drac, and he mentions that they're not male or female, but they're both in a reptilian body. So he's explaining kind of like their, you know, their physical makeup. He he hikes through the rocky planet, um, and there's a very dramatic scene as he leaves the frame, so he doesn't actually see this, but there's this large, like, there's this turtle-like creature that's kind of just like minding its own business, kind of like slowly, you know, meandering through the forest. And then it slips into this giant, like, sandy pit. And out from the middle of the pit um, is this, like, Star Wars-esque creature. It's, like, got tentacles. Yeah, 100%. It looks like the Sarlacc pit from Star Wars. And it, it like, uh, quietly kind of, like, does this... Uh, snake dancing like move with its tentacle and then it and then it grabs the turtle and pulls it in and then eats the turtle and spits out the shell and then it burps this is important to remember um so dennis he meanwhile he approaches the drac ship with a pistol okay he's carrying like just it looks like a gun (laughs) it just looks like a gun (laughs) like they ran out of alien like futuristic weapons and there's no drac Drac's not there. He hears something and he checks out the source and it's the Drac near a green pond and it's swimming in the nude. It took all of its like, all of its like outer space gear off. My notes just say, is he skinny dipping? Question mark. It's a strange first impression to have as an audience member. And though it might be exciting or scandalous, Uh, For another Drac, for a human, there's really not that much to see. Uh, So it's like totally nude, which, you know, that's fine. A little alien nudity never hurt anyone. Um, And it seems uh, much more at peace with the current situation than Dennis Quaid. Do you remember that, Emily? He was like... Yeah, he was was like, this is fine. Yeah. I'm going to make the best of this. Yeah, he he was very content. So on landing... Dennis Quaid's entire spaceship had blown up, but however, the Drac had self-ejected, and so he was like in a little capsule pod thing. Kind of looked like what Superman came to Earth in, but bigger. Um, I have in my notes that he had a much better go bag because he had some supplies and tools. So he'd been very productive setting up camp and making a fire and, you know, bathing and everything. Whereas Dennis Quaid has spent his entire time there single minded on revenge and murder. And that is it. Um, but Dennis wants to kill the drag. He wants to kill it. So he, he hikes closer, and and he's trying to sneak up on the Drac, and what happens? 
he drops the gun into the water. Oh, yeah. And it makes a big splash. And then you see the first close-up of the Drac's face. Emily, would you like to describe the Drac? Um, his face is kind of bumpy, and he looks kind of like the, the uh, what's the monster movie where the guy, he's... Um, in the water, the swamp monster. What's that? Oh, oh, creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, kind of monster. Um, kind of looks a little bit like that. Yeah, but more. He doesn't have like gills. Though. Yeah, and he's a little more like smooth looking. Like his bumps are very smooth. Yeah, he doesn't look like rough. Um, no. Yeah, and and very fish like. He's kind of got these like glands that are constantly kind of like inflating and di- yeah. Pulsating is the is the right it's word. It's not pleasant to look at. <laughs> I didn't enjoy. Emily had a hard time with that. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, Dennis Quaid, he he hides even though he dropped the gun. The Drax kind of like, eh, I don't know. I'm not going to worry about this. Um, but Dennis Quaid, he hides till nightfall, and he has a knife, a giant knife. So knives have survived <laughs> thousands of years of modern technology. You can't improve on a knife. <laughs> You can't. So um, there's this, but suddenly there's this crazy lightning storm, and 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 there's a bunch of rain, and and the Drax starts to do his this like alien dance, this like kind of yeah, like that... like wavy. He's waving his arms, um, and then he jumps into the water. So he's moved by the rain, and his little rain dance will forever be a mystery. It's never explained or expounded upon. Um, and then Dennis Quaid runs down and he grabs the ship's fuel and he dumps it in the lake and he lights the, the lake on fire and he yells, burn you sucker. So <laughs> when I first saw this, I was confused. My notes just say he has stolen the ship's Kool-Aid because the fuel does look kind of like a red Kool-Aid drink. Um, he tries to get to the alien ship, but then he gets electrocuted by its security system. So... Things are not going well. For a very long time. <laughs> just a lot. Many seconds that feel like minutes Yeah. Dennis Quaid being electrocuted. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, he's incapacitated. And the Drac captures him and ties him up. And then we hear for the first time the Drac introduce himself. And Dennis Quaid introduces himself. Let's hear that clip. Do you understand any English toad face? Kasamba. What? Kasamba. Stick it. Kasamba. Gariba. Shiga. So your name's Jerry Sheehan. So what? Kasamba. Do you want to know my name? Willis E. Dabbage. I'm glad that you put this clip in here because I did want to re-listen to it and I still don't know how Dennis Quaid really figured out what his name was from all of that. I read an interview where Louis Gossett Jr. was saying how some of the language was based on how he learned to, to gargle as a child, which, yeah, I can hear that. So the Drac, he calls uh, Dennis Quaid Earthman. We've just discovered that his name is, in fact, Willis E. Davidge. And so Davidge, who we've, you know, we're now calling Dennis Quaid, he's he's begging the Drac for food. I would say he wasn't so much begging as like rudely demanding to be fed, which the nerve of him here, he's tried to kill this guy. He's wasted all his fuel. He's insulting to him. He's totally at this Drax's mercy. So he should be trying to, you know, kind of get on his good side. But oh no. Oh no. He's still going to be rude to the end. And the Drac gives him this worm thing, but he, you know, he, he's like kind of disgusted by it. But then he muscles it down. He like eats it. Then meteors. I put that in capital letters so that you you can <laughs> tell like just what is actually happening. There's this like all these meteors, they're destroying everything. And so Davidge and the Drac, they jump into a cave. We can start calling the Drac Jerry because that's what Davidge starts calling him. 
and the Drac seems okay with that. So <laughs> Jerry and Davidge jump. They jump into a cave. Will it? Uh, Davidge wakes and has an opportunity to kill the Drac, but he doesn't take it. <gasps> so now we see like the first the, the first whispers of like potential peace. But Davidge, he can't stop being a hungry Earthman. And he's still trying to eat some weird green balls on the spaceship that were just on the spaceship. Like, I didn't, you can't tell that they're food, <laughs> but he just is like, this is, this is food, I, I'm going to eat it. And he gets caught by the Drac and tells, and then tells the Drac, I think, to deflect from the fact that he was eating his, like, you know, green, like, uh, snacks. Um, he says, we got to move out of this, op- this open area. So he explains that. Let's hear that clip. We're out in, in the open. If we stay here, we, we die. Die. Yeah. Uh, what we gotta do? Get our butts up higher in the forest. Up, up there. At least there, there's, there's some cover up there. Cover? Cover? So the Drac makes Willis carry all of their equipment. He's trailing behind Davidge uh, with his laser gun. And now we find out a little bit more of Davidge about Davidge and what he's, you know, what he's thinking with his internal dialogue. That's kind of like peppered through the movie. So let's hear that internal dialogue. Slow going. Since I had to communicate with that lizard, I tried learning a few words of its crude lingo. Hey, Drac. Okay, so Willis explains to the Drac that they need to build a shelter out of rocks um, that they're finding on the planet. So the Drac makes Willis build a shelter uh, while he watches him work. Yeah, he's working real hard. Yeah. uh, And complaining the whole time. Yes, yeah. I keep calling him Willis. I want to call him Davidge because I think Davidge sounds much cooler than Willis, even though they're both his names. So you might hear me say Willis. You might hear me say Davidge. Earthman. <laughs> I don't know. Or Dennis Quaid. It should be noted that Dennis Quaid is really bad at building, and his first attempt completely crumbles after he kicks it to show how sturdy it is and that it would withhold any meteorite. But... Davidge, he makes an effort to learn the Drac's language, and they work on learning each other's language. What did you think about this, Emily? Them learning each other's language. Thought it was real nice. Yeah. It's surprising that things were picking up so quickly for them and their friendship, potential friendship, potential toleration yeah turned friendship yeah it's true so now we're in the toleration the the tolerant uh you know part of their relationship um but the drac he's much more eager to learn english than willis is to learn drac doesn't surprise me yeah and we have a clip of this Uh, you have to hear this eagerness it's just really fantastic yeah great yeah great this is my head that is your ugly head no, no. This is my head. That is you head. You ugly head. Ha, ha. So they're definitely developing a rapport with each other. Yeah, and I have um, a little factoid about uh the drac language. Ooh, my ears are burning. <laughs> they are. Um so apparently the they made it up um completely but then I also read that it was Russian backwards. <laughs> so they didn't make it up completely if they used it another language as its basis. I thought he was just like riffing and no. we're just supposed to be like Well, I mean that's what the internet says, which you know, we can't always trust everything. Backward, but backwards Russian. It was on IMDb, so Oh, if it made it on IMDb, then it's got to be legit. Thank you for that uh factoid, Emily. You're welcome. I have another one in oh, the do? works for later on. Oh, we can't wait. We can't wait. 
Um, so at night, the Drac, he's practicing his religion, which is very important to him. You'll learn that that's like, that's life for the Dracs. It's like their religion and their genealogy. Um, they debate uh, the, you know, uh, Davidge and Jerry debate on who started the war. Davidge insults the Drax god, which is named Shizmat. And um, and then later he, uh, Davidge, successfully kills the turtle thing as he's walking through the forest. Um, and then he accidentally falls into, um, into that pit. And there's a pretty gruesome scene of the tentacles from that creature, um, like get it, like you you can describe like it. like grabbing his leg and pulling on it, and yeah, it just it's gross. And Davidge is like screaming, and yeah. it's really bloody. It's really disgusting. They love those practical effects for the gore. Like they really just leaned into it. It's not as gory as it could be, but it's def- definitely more gory than it needs to be. That is true. <laughs> Yes, so much this. It went on for so long, and it looked like literally this creature was like stripping his lower leg to the bone. There was so much blood that looked really fake. It was very gross. So, um, but then guess what? Dun, 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 Jerry to the rescue. He runs. He runs to find Davidge as <laughs> looks for Davidge. Clearly his screams helped. Um, And then he shoots the beast in the head. Later in their shelter, he cauterizes Willis's wound. Which, considering how dramatic it was before, it's a relatively, like, small and simple wound. And then dresses it. And they have this exchange. Let's play this clip. She saved my life. Maybe I need to look at another face, even as ugly as yours. So you still think humans are ugly, huh? Compared to a drag. Very ugly. But that thing out there is even more ugly than you. Thank you. You are welcome. Oh man, Lewis Gossett Jr. He he owns this role. He is he is a he's an actor. He did he did he does. Yeah. I listened to an interview with him, and he said that a lot of previous actors had turned down the role because their face wouldn't be seen, and so they didn't feel like they'd really get their time on screen. And so that was the challenge to him was to really make his acting show through. Uh, He said about six hours of makeup and prosthetics. And also that he really tried to get into character. And he took dance and yoga and gymnastics and kind of learned a special way of walking to really sort of emulate what a more like reptilian humanoid type creature would be like. So he understood the assignment and he did the work. Um, and so, guess what? Later on, Willis, uh, sorry, Davidge, he makes this incredible discovery. The turtle shells are meteor proof. What? Yeah. Um, he collects a ton of them and then he uses them to cover their shelter. Brilliant. I think this is the first movie I've ever seen where someone out in the wild gets a horrible injury and they just recover. Where they don't have a fever and there's this tense night of waiting for the fever to break and will they or will they not make it and I just wanted to say kudos to this movie for not kind of having that same old thing it shows Davidge just working limping away uh, but no fever no infection no desperate need for penicillin none of that but Davidge, he wants to learn the Drac language, okay? So he can better understand the Drac's religion. So he start, his heart is opening up to their ways. He's seeing, like, Jerry is, this is, he's a good guy. What yeah. makes him so good? I would say at this point it's turning into friendship. Definitely. And they actually apologize to each other um, because they get the, into this fight and then they kind of insult each other's gods. But Jerry thinks that, like, 
uh, Davidge's God is Mickey Mouse because Davidge led him to believe this, and then he insults Mickey Mouse. But Davidge doesn't like say that it's not that's not really his God. He just like lets Jerry feel bad, which is really sad in well, itself. But I I have a I have a tidbit about the scene actually too. <gasps> okay, so yes, I had me. two uh, extra ones. So during this scene, um, uh, what's his name? Jerry. Jerry. He says that about Mickey Mouse. He insults Mickey Mouse as Dennis Quaid's God. And Dennis Quaid t- kind of like turns around and like laughs a little bit and walks away because he thinks it's funny. And apparently this was um, the only they took they took the scene like a bunch of times uh-huh. to like do because Dennis Quaid kept laughing because he thought it was so funny. He's like that Mickey Mouse would be, I guess, just the whole thing was funny to him. So this was like the best shot they got. <laughs> Of him just kind of like turning around and smirking. And then they said they also left it in because they wanted the audience to know that this was like, like jokes between them. Like they weren't really serious. Like they weren't taking it seriously. There was a lightheartedness to uh-huh. it. Yeah. So that's interesting. Thank yeah. you for that insight, Emily. You're welcome. Yeah. Dennis Quaid definitely like, he seems like a, like a laugher when it comes to like scenes yeah yeah especially in this he probably couldn't get over the fact that like he was in a movie with an alien guy dressed up as an alien probably (laughs) he seems like like a pretty simple man (laughs) yeah he's like wait but you're a normal dude (laughs) dressed dressed like an alien (laughs) hello there infringers we have reached the halfway point in our show if you're just tuning in, we are recapping the 1985 classic, the sci-fi movie, Enemy Mine. And now, back to the show. Yeah, so they they insult each other's gods, but then they feel bad about it and apologize. Um, and then Jerry places a chain around Willis's neck with a small metal book, and it contains the Drax religious text. I have in my notes. By this time, I too would have been quite desperate for reading material. Uh, Willis show, uh, sorry, David shows a great deal of respect for the Drax beliefs. In the meantime, I studied its language and read its Talmud. Yesli was telo was Translate. If one receives evil from another, let one not do evil in return. Rather, let him extend love to the enemy, that love might unite them. I've heard all this before in the human Talmud. Of course you have. Truth is truth. Truth is truth. Man, that is beautiful. And tears well in Willis... uh, Tears well in Davidge's eyes. I'm going to just start calling him Willis. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You guys guys get it. At this point, I feel like... It's interchangeable, and and we all know what you mean. Okay. Thank you, Emily. So there's another meteor shower, which they've come to just expect now, and they run home. They barely make it into their shelter, and then they fight over who has the right to occupy the universe. This is like – I think it's just the stress of having to run for their lives from Mm -hmm. these, these meteor showers. Um, and they're like, I, there's a lot of like, I'll kill you. I hate you. Then Davidge, he starts weeping. He's crying. Um, the meteor shower stops and Davidge in a moment of sudden peace, he says, I think we're going crazy and we have to explore this planet. Like, it's like this moment of clarity is what I meant. Like, he's just like, we're losing it. We need to like, see what else is out there. So Jerry, he... He um, he chooses to stay behind, uh, but Davidge, he leaves to explore, and Jerry, in a rather c- cold way, he seems, he, he 
kind of just says like, no, you go explore. Like, I don't want to go with you. Mm. Um, and, and he also seems kind of emotional too um, in, it, at the end. Davidge says that he'll find help. If he finds help, he'll come back for Jerry. Um, and then tears well in, in Jerry's eyes. Aww. They so really are friends. They are friends, but they're they're not really doing a good... They're kind of trying to hide it. Yeah. Yes. Um, Jerry, uh, he he finds... Oh, no, not Jerry. Davidge, he, in his hikes through... As he's hiking through this planet, he finds these huge fire pits that maybe... Uh, and maybe he's walking for like a day. Um, and then he finds something that's amazing. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. He finds garbage. What? Actually, it's just a Pepsi can. But then, like, he walks up further and he realizes there's more Pepsi cans, mm. more garbage. There's litter all over the place. He's super excited. Then not so much. He finds Drax skeletons. Oh, no. Um, and he's like, why did... You know, why are is he discovering Drax skeletons? Well, because of scavengers. I'll let you let him explain what these scavengers are all about. What I've been hearing at night was a scavenger ship. The scavengers were human, all right. Barely human. They were outlaw miners who raped whole planets for precious ores. They hunted drags for slave labor, so we tolerated them. I could only hope they'd found nothing. Scavengers work in a mine and here comes my third and final trivia point about enemy mine and that has to do with the very name of this movie (gasps) oh so uh, producers were worried that people wouldn't understand that enemy mine was like saying my enemy right mine enemy yeah like mine enemy enemy mine Mm -hmm. okay and so they (laughs) <laughs> constructed a subplot about an actual mine. Mm-hmm. Which never occurred to me that this mine is also an enemy. Yeah. Enemy mine? <laughs> they really got lost in the title. <laughs> they really did. They could have just named it Jerry and Davidge. <laughs> I don't... I think that would set us up to think it was a different kind of movie. The Odd Couple. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been much better. That name was already taken, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, that's true. Anyway, so that was it. That was my final... Thank you, Emily. ...final tidbit. Oh, you have enhanced this episode so much with your factoids. We appreciate it. And the listeners do, I'm sure, as well. Sorry there weren't more. (laughs) Well, you never know. I'm glad you brought this up. I read the same snippet, and I was totally infuriated. Okay, so... It says that the author reported at a convention that they specifically added a subplot involving a mine, thinking the audience would not realize that the mine in the title was possessive, as in my enemy, rather than an object, such as like a mine, I'm going to say cave, just to make it a little more clear. So do you see how illogical that is? Like, we don't want the audience to think this title is about a cave, so we're specifically going to add a cave into it to make sure they don't confuse it. And we never would have (laughs) until you put a mine in it. And they created the dual meaning that they were trying not to create. And I was like, no wonder this movie like switch directors and locations and went I think like 22 million dollars over budget because we can see some of the thinking here so after he discovers these terrible scavengers he comes back to Jerry to to Jerry he goes back to the shelter and discovers that Jerry is in the family way by that I mean he is pregnant there is a baby in his belly I was so surprised that it wasn't a very large egg, kind of in keeping with the theme of the reptilian nature of this character. Uh, Davidge is elated, and Jerry explains that with humans, children are by choice, but with Drax, it just happens, (laughs) which maybe some humans might use that as an excuse as well. 
Um, but uh, Davidge lies to Jerry, and he says he found nothing out there. Eh, there was nothing. I walked for days. I didn't see anything. Um, but then we find that Jerry wants to name the child Zombies, and he makes the baby a cute pair of overalls. He's, like, really <laughs> nesting. Aww. It's very cute. <laughs> Uh, that night, uh, as they're sleeping, that giant pit monster, it, like, somehow makes it underneath their shelter. It grabs Jerry around the neck. It tries to kill him. And then uh, Davidge grabs hot coals out of the fire with his bare hands and throws it into the monster's mouth. I know we don't have a lot of time, but <laughs> Dennis Quaid slept through so much of this monster wrecking their little house. Yeah. It is shocking. It was just like, when is he going to wake up? And then finally wakes up and springs into action. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that happens. Um, and then after everything settles down, they have this moment where they talk about their lineage. Again, Jerry's like really expressing how important that is to him. But Davidge is not that into it. He's not into his own, own lineage. Uh, but he wants to learn Jerry's. Um, then Jerry is ready to have his have the baby and says to Davidge that he must take his place. He must take Jerry's place and stand behind Zombies, the baby. Because when he gives birth, he's going to die, which is so sad. That's his one. Uh, and he has one final request before he, you know, gives birth to the baby, that that Davidge take zombies to Dracon, their home world, one day, and then he dies, and then Jer and then Davidge pulls the baby out of Jerry's belly. Emily, I really enjoyed that scene. That was really fantastic for her. And the baby is so cute. It's not. It's not cute. It's like little, kind of like slimy and reptilian. <laughs> They did a good job. Um, he looks down at the baby with fatherly pride. I cannot emphasize enough how prideful, fatherly prideful Dennis Quaid is looking at this baby. It's it's beautiful. So random side point, when that weird creature came and destroyed their home, they ran and ran and they found this giant cave. Like a really good protect you from meteorites cave that was super close the whole time and then they just kind of move and live in there. And I'm like, really? You lived kind of in that same place for three years and you never found this cave before and thought, wow, this is a great cave. It would solve a lot of our problems. But no. Then he, uh, Zombies grows. He carries him on his back. Zombies calls him uncle. And he grows faster than humans. So I will say, for as much as Davich's character is kind of lacking a lot of niceties when it comes to the personality department, he's a good uncle. He puts everything into this kid. So that was surprising and nice to see, you know, he was being a, a good father figure. For a race of hermaphrodites that don't really have them. Oh, that child's going to be so confused when it gets back to its own planet. Uh, Davidge tries to explain that they're different. And then a ship arrives and it really freaks Davidge out. And he's like, don't go in this direction, zombies. It's a bad idea. Um, and then he goes close. He kind of like ventures out away from zombies to go look at where the ship went to. And then he discovers the mine that emily was explaining oh i i'm sorry i jumped the gun a little no bit you did it's one. fine it's just really it's terrible conditions the 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 drax are being made to be slaves and they're doing they're making them work really hard and they're just like treating them terribly and then zombies he he says but they're humans aren't they so maybe they're nice to which davidge replies because if those men ever find us, we'll never see each other again. But Uncle, they're humans, like you. Shut up and eat. Okay, so then after uh, David says shut up and eat to zombies, he teaches him football. There's a really sweet scene where he teaches him American football. Um, and then... 
Zombies doesn't like uh, being different than Davidge. He, he's noticing more of a difference between them. And Davidge says, someday you'll go home when, you'll go home and you'll get to be with your people. And Zombies, the, uh, like later that day when Davidge is not paying attention, he runs away to see the scavenger ship and he sees all the sad stuff that Davidge saw. And then these two creeps assault him. These like terrible guys... And Zamis gets freaked out, and he kind of rakes his claws against the other guy's face, disfiguring him permanently, and also making him very angry and very unkindly disposed to this child Drac that he is trying to Dracnap. And then Davidge, this is a crazy scene, and this is where all of the terrible like violence and gore starts to like ensue. Davidge kills one of them, and then he shoots uh, the other. The other one shoot. Okay, so he kills one of them. Apparently, they're brothers. And then the other one, who's alive still, shoots him, and then captures zombies. And then a ship picks up Davidge while Davidge is, you know, quote unquote, dead. Um, and you're supposed to think he's dead, but he's not dead. He's not. We find out that. Um, he's been gone for three years. They like run his, you know, his name and find out what's what's actually, you know, he's been missing for three years. His crew comes to see him. They're like, "That's Davidge. If I've ever seen him, that's him." Um, he wakes up and then they give him a haircut and a shave. And what happens next? Well, let's let's let Davidge tell you. I don't know how long I lay there before the surveillance team picked me up. They thought I was dead. Well. The medics have had time to nail me back together. Now I've got to go back. This confused me because I would assume they would just assume he was a scavenger. And it shows that they were like ejecting their dead out into space. So they brought a dead man to their ship to then eject into space. It seems like it would have been just easier to leave him on the planet because, I mean, there was, as we know, a lot of dead Drax and stuff so what what's one more body also i thought doctors and medics in the future would be able to tell if someone was alive or not to a much more specific degree than we could now but they all missed that fact of him being alive that's not good okay so he he goes back and this part's confusing because they show that he's like in the medic area for a really long time getting rehabilitated, but they don't show any information of them being like, hey, we're sending you out in the field, you're like working for us again, you're, you know, flying spaceships and stuff. Like there's none of that. It's suddenly he's just back to normal with the no transitional footage. And I just typed in my notes, fight, death, danger and then he saves zombies so after a dramatic confrontation with his crew about how he must rescue zombies davidge steals a ship and he goes to the planet where there's this large slave mine he befriends the enslaved drax by speaking their language they tell him where zombies is he is unconscious in a subground prison cell He's able to get him out, but then he runs into the bad guys. And there's all these machines that are like crushing rocks and smelting equipment and like molten rock that they're kind of fighting each other with and over. Uh, Zamis is still unconscious and he gets thrown onto a conveyor belt type thing where it, like once it gets to the end of the conveyor belt, I think it's into like a molten iron. I'm not sure what. So that adds suspense and drama because Davidge has a very limited time which to defeat the bad guys and rescue zombies. And meanwhile, the other Drax are like kind of rising up from their caves thinking it might be a really good time to start an uprising. So there's just like a lot of like terrible, like the bad guy who, who you know, tried to kill Davidge, he, he gets like t- killed in the most terrible way. I think he falls into like a barrel of like hot lava stuff it's a lot of unnecessary (laughs) evil mind stuff yeah it's terrible and then his crew shows up and they're like we're loyal we couldn't leave you behind even though they kind of did 
And I think at that point they say the war is over between human and Drax. I think. And then, you know, so they're reunited. And then all of the Drax who were like enslaved on this planet, they're all freed. And then the final scene is Davidge on the Drax homeworld. And he fulfills his vow and recites the holy writing before the Drac Council on their home planet. And, uh, you know, of course, Zombies is there. So he he did what Jerry wanted him to do. Yeah, I guess if like a child didn't get presented and their lineage recited verbally, then they couldn't be acknowledged by the people. So it's basically like being exiled. And then they added Davidge as part of their permanent records, as part of Zami's lineage, which was like a huge deal since he was this gross and nasty human. And it's just a beautiful ending. And there's a, you know, there's the sun is setting um, on the Drac world and that, and then roll credits. That's the end. Do we find out if humans ever make peace with Drac? Uh, I did probably that helped that whole experience. I'm sure, it had to. Yeah. Well, Bobby, thanks for picking Enemy Mine. It was my pleasure. It was a an interesting watch. Mm-hmm. I think I'll it'll be a while before I see it again. Yes. But I wouldn't say that I wouldn't see it again. That's all I. That's all I ever wanted to hear in the in the twelve years that we have been married. I've been waiting that long. To hear these words. Well, in 12 years, you've got a date, sir, (laughs) to watch Enemy Mine. All (laughs) righty. When I started watching this movie, I realized that I'd seen clips of it, but this was my first time actually watching it, the whole thing. Um, I thought it was interesting. I think the costume and makeup uh, for the character of Jerry was really good for its time like so good the special effects and some of the set design weren't quite as amazing and it felt a little bit like the pacing was off in the beginning there are a lot of scenes where things kind of lag but then at the end everything starts happening really fast where I would have wanted a little bit more information Dennis Quaid like his character was so unlikable through the first part of the movie like I wished he would have been a little bit more charismatic but I think that was probably on purpose to make his like redemption at the end a lot more dramatic and I read that this movie didn't do very well at the box office which I thought was surprising I mean it's a decent movie especially for its time and it did have a really positive message about not judging others based on their external appearance which is still a lesson that the world is struggling with so it's funny that all three of the movies that we picked didn't really do well at the box office so eh popular opinion what does it tell you (laughs) that we're gonna watch movies anyway and like them regardless anyway that brings us to the end of our show and thank you so very much for listening Uh, for previous episodes you can find past shows on itunes soundcloud and many podcast apps you can also find us on instagram and facebook just type in dream infringement we'll be back next week with a new show new theme so never stop dreaming infringers we'll see you then (laughs) 